Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Friday. Cofield and Company. Adam Candy is alongside. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Candy, how you doing, buddy? Fired up, baby. It's Friday. Let's get this. <laughs> Let's get this. Let's LFG. Get this. LFG. If it wasn't a clean broadcast, I would just say it outright because uh, I like that statement. LFG. LFG. I'm going to slip at some point. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. we got a lot to get to today. Trending at 2 o'clock. A ton of NFL news as now we're inside a week for the first round of the NFL draft. But, Candy, let's start out with some VGK. Actually, kind of a light schedule. Kind of a light schedule. Uh, all the way through uh, Wednesday, got a game this weekend. Uh, but we also found out there's some rescheduled games coming up. So interesting times right now as uh, VGK gets a chance to mend up a little bit and uh, get a, a little rest, which has been pretty unique in this season. There was a time about three weeks ago where we were discussing the fact that the Golden Knights were not going to have more than a single day off between games for the remainder of the season. And now, after they clinch a playoff berth, they're in really good shape here. This is a good break for the Golden Knights, even if it's a terrible break for the Colorado Avalanche dealing with a COVID outbreak. But by this happening for the Golden Knights, what they've done by winning the last eight games in a row is they've shifted all of the pressure to the Colorado Avalanche because when it's in that race for the number one seed, Colorado is going to have to come back from this COVID pause. And they're the ones who are going to have to win a number of games in a short period of time because the Golden Knights did what they were supposed to do. They beat up on the suck of the West Division, right? <laughs> the bottom of the division was what was in yeah. front of them, but you still have to go win the games, and that's exactly what they did. It's a weird deal, isn't it? Because on one hand, I'm still apprehensive. Well, first of all, let me say I'm not apprehensive about this. The Knights have to win the Cup. That's it. It's Cup or bust now. That's the attitude of the organization. That should be the fans' attitude. But in terms of actually handicapping what's going to happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs, this West Division thing really throws you off because are they putting together this crazy record because some of the teams in this division just outright stink. For some reason, they've got a massive advantage. Uh, one, talent, but two, I think some of it's mental over the Sharks. Like, What does the domination of the Sharks actually mean? I'm not sure it's just something that you limit to the Sharks because there were times in those last couple of games where the Sharks played some pretty good hockey, and it's a talent gap between these two teams right now. It's not the same as it was for a couple of years. There's a clear talent gap between what San Jose is throwing out there and what the Golden Knights are throwing out there, and if they have a mental edge from that rivalry, then so be it. But when it comes down to what happens down the stretch here, the West Division being bad at the bottom factors into what happens here at the top because the Golden Knights need that number one seed. The number one seed in the division means that in the first round, you don't have to play a Minnesota team that you've clearly struggled against, that plays a style that allowed them at one point to score four goals in a single period against you, as opposed to getting either an Arizona team or a St. Louis team in which there is also a clear talent gap between the Golden Knights and those franchises. Or I should say, you know, the Sharks and the Kings are kind of still hanging around the fringes of that one. But more than likely, you're getting Arizona or St. Louis, and that would be a big break for the Golden Knights when you handicap their cup chances because we've seen how well they play against those teams. And so you would delay the decision on how do they play against the really good teams for a whole round of the playoffs. 
So next up is tomorrow. Knights in Anaheim. Knights are a massive favorite against the uh, home Ducks at minus 260. And then after that, you got a break. Uh, scheduling changes late April, early May. The Avs will be here. Big game, right? Uh, no April 26th date. Now rescheduled. Just announced today back to May 10th. That'll be a 7 o'clock start at the Fortress. And then two days later, well, there was a May 10th game, so they pushed that off two days. So Wednesday, May 12th, on the road, Vegas against those Sharks. So that's the latest on the, the nights and the schedule. Uh, we got a lot of day two and day three stories today. We're trying to figure out what's supposed to happen. Did we react correctly? Do we have different reactions now? I still don't know what the hell is going on in day two of TB12 with his weird message that he sent out about the number changes in the NFL. That's a rule change where players who were prohibited from changing their numbers to certain areas, you know, zero to 99, are now allowed to do that. Have you gotten the real gist of this story? Why is Tom Brady sort of speaking up on this rule change? The gist of this story, Cofield, is get off Giselle's lawn. Get off it. Because Tom Brady sounds like a 43-year-old man yelling at the NFL about changes he doesn't want to deal with after two decades in the league. He's used to being able to look at numbers and figure out what position it is and who is coming and who should be blocked, right? Who's the linebacker? Who's the safety? It's pretty easy to know. But now the NFL is making it so that you can wear different jersey numbers at different positions and... Tommy's not happy. Tommy sounds like an old guy who wants to go back to the way things were. He doesn't want to deal with the newfangled ways of the NFL. Tommy wants it the way Tommy's always had it. Do you buy this? Do I buy that the only reason he's upset is that he wants people off his lawn so he can have things the way he used, that it used to be? No. Come on. Tom Brady and... Park Avenue are never going to be on great terms. This is going to go back many, many, many years and go on forever over the oh. deflated balls, right? In the end, this is all about deflated balls. This is all about Tom Brady having a terrible relationship with the NFL after Deflategate. So if we take him up on his word, we believe it in terms of IDing players on the field. Will this suggest that he has a vision issue? Or is, you know, what I'm saying is he can't, he can't tell if, uh, you know, number 22, who could be a cornerback, but also could be a 6'6", 295-pound defensive lineman, uh, if he sees him in the flat, he can't tell if that's a lineman or a cornerback? Is this, a, again, is this a vision oh, issue? He can't, he can't pick up on the size? Um, is this legit? If we're talking about who's who, it's a pre-snap read issue for Tom Brady. It's not about what happens okay. during the play. This is about okay. what happens for him in his evaluation when he's been studying film for 20 years and he's used to seeing certain things on film and he probably has tendencies that he knows from certain teams that go back years, from certain coordinators that go back years. And if he has to change that, then yeah, he's yelling about getting off his lawn. Wait, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what... <laughs> so it is legit. Not not I just uh, okay. He, yeah, he's no, fighting, I absolutely think it's legit. Change, but his 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 complaint is accurate and holds water. And we could see other quarterbacks get behind him and say, "Hey, this is jacked up." But is he? But who else has the cachet to come out and say it? And that's why I'm come saying that it's about the fact that Tom Brady and Deflategate go back so many years that. 
Tom Brady doesn't care about speaking out against the NFL. Tom Brady's not worried about what the league office thinks of him. Tom Brady is bigger than Roger Goodell. Tom Brady's as big as the shield. He can say whatever he wants to say. Do you think Daniel Jones is going to come out and have something to say about this? You think Derek Carr is going to be out there ranting against the league office? No. no. But Tom Brady can. Derek Carr. Hmm. Derek Carr may come out and have something to say. It may not be in front of a microphone, but it may be through social media or through his brother's um, social media. On the way back, we'll get to that. As We've got a report from Ian Rappaport, who I think, I think we're all in agreement now, uh, has some sort of source within the Raiders because he's one of the guys who gets all the breaking news on the transactions, minor and major. And he had a tweet today that said, uh, hey, the Raiders are looking at all the quarterbacks just in case one of them slides past number 10. They have number 17. They are well-versed on the quarterbacks. They've done their homework. Why would they be interested at 17 and potentially moving up to grab a quarterback when they've got a 30-year-old Derek Carr? Happy birthday recently. Happy birthday. Why do they need a quarterback when they've got a franchise quarterback who should be here for six or seven years? We'll answer that on the way back. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, rolling on. On this Friday. Adam Candy's here. It's Cofield. Ari's in our Finley Toyota studio. So before we get to uh, the Ian Rappaport report, Candy, we do have to deliver the breaking news from about 90 minutes ago. My God, you look around the NFL, and uh, even with the Raiders, well, at least was, this was the narrative around the time of the Khalil Mack trade. What was one of the things they, they talked about in terms of managing the salary cap? And, you know, it's tough to have two guys making over $20 million, right? It really is. It'd be hard to have Derek Carr and Khalil Mack on the same roster. Which we know now is a misnomer because if you look around the league, the Rams have plenty of high-dollar guys. Uh, they don't seem to have a salary cap. The Chiefs are another team in the division. Do the Chiefs operate with a salary cap? Because, dang it, it doesn't seem so. It feels like the Kansas City Chiefs can get done what they need to get done to work around a franchise quarterback who's on one of the largest deals in NFL history because that's exactly what they just did, right, Steve? They they went out there. They saw that there was a fantastic tackle on the market in Orlando Brown from Baltimore. Yep. They traded the draft picks, and now they're not going to have to mess around with can we get the guy we want in the draft to help protect Patrick Brown homes to fix the issues that clearly caused them to lose the Super Bowl. Nope, they've got Orlando Brown and they've got their left tackle and they've got guys coming back from COVID opt-outs and all of a sudden what was the one big weakness in Kansas City, salary cap be damned, it's fixed. How can arguably the best team in football have Chris Jones, high dollar guy, Frank Clark, high dollar guy. I have to look at Honey Badger's deal, but he ain't cheap. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. They just added Tooney to the line, center or guard or tackle, for all we know, for like 17 a year. And now they're going to, I'm guessing, if you trade a first-round pick and three more picks to get Orlando Brown, 
your left tackle of the future from the Ravens that he's going to get back. He's going to get big money. So this is this is amazing. I don't know. At some point, we keep hearing, "Hey, the Chiefs are going to pay. They're going to pay." Are they? Right now, the Kansas City Chiefs have Frank Clark at twenty five point eight million on the cap. Honey Badger is nineteen seven. Tyreek Hill fifteen eight. Anthony Hitchens. 10.6, Chris Jones, 8.5, Kelsey, 7.6, Mahomes, 7.4. Those are the cap numbers. And keep in mind that yeah. when you talk about those two cap numbers, you're talking about big extensions that haven't kicked in yet. So at that point, right. you are talking about some dollars that are going to come home to roost for this team. But overall, you look at the cap space available right now, and the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way, still have $10 million of cap space into which they're going to work Orlando Brown and whatever extension he's going to get. They're not even in the bottom half of the league in available cap space. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. So breaking news from about 90 minutes ago, the uh, Chiefs have now beefed up their offensive line again because stealing the lineman from the Patriots wasn't enough, but Orlando Brown has been traded for. They've given up their first round pick right at the end of the first round in this year's draft. Three more picks. They get back a second and the sixth, and obviously they're going to have to probably give up big money and uh, structure the Orlando Brown deal in uh, interesting fashion. So the news out today, or at least whoever fed uh, Rappaport, I don't know if it's news, I don't know if it's motivation, I'm not sure what's going on. But Ian Rappaport from NFL Network says, hey, the Raiders are looking at quarterbacks. Uh, He says it seems like a yearly ritual, but once again, the Raiders did extensive work on all the top quarterbacks, I'm told. If one slides past 10, they could be a team to watch to grab a quarterback and stash for the future. Doubtful. That a QB gets to 17, which I think we have an angle on that one that we can hit later on. But they will have their homework ready. What do you think is going on here? The Raiders can't help themselves. That's what's going on. John Gruden can't help himself. He's a quarterback guy. He can't help himself. He wants to know what's going on. He was the QB camp guy. This is who he is. This is who he's going to be. And you can put Mike Mayock's face on it all you want. Because John Gruden can't be the one out here saying, I'm looking at quarterbacks, because that's the coach. But when your coach is also your head personnel guy, then it puts you in a situation where Mike Mayock, who, let's be honest here, if you don't have final say, you're a figurehead. And so Mike Mayock, in that regard, is a figurehead. So when we say he's out here doing homework, well, John Gruden can't help himself. But that being said, if we just be objective about this for a moment, Car Family Circus, I'm giving you the warning right now. You want to come get me? It's two E's, no Y at the end of my name on Twitter. Adam Candy. (laughs) Um, Derek Carr is 30 years old this year. And Derek Carr is in the second to last year of his deal. If you were to cut Derek Carr after this season at the age of 31, Steve, it would cost $0 in dead money against the cap next year. Or let's decide at almost $20 million, you want to let him play the deal out. They could do that as well. But how many quarterbacks in the NFL get better after the age of 30? We see who Derek Carr is at this point. It's not going to improve. I still think Derek Carr is an above-average quarterback in the NFL, and I don't think you get rid of an above-average quarterback in the NFL. That being said... At the age of 32, at the end of the deal, do you extend him beyond two years? Do you extend him beyond three years? I don't think you pay up for a guy who's going to be entering what has been the downside phase of most everyone else's career. So if Mike Mayock 
and John Gruden weren't at least doing homework and being prepared for who's out there, well, that would just be irresponsible. But should they take a quarterback at 17 with all the holes on this roster? Not unless Trevor Lawrence slides to 17. <laughs> uh, we'll continue to address this uh, over the course of the next three and a half hours. It's Cofield and Company on a Friday. Adam Candy's in. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Up next, we continue our path to the draft. We do a daily spot counting from 32 up to number one. Today is Niners Day, the number three pick. So this plays right into our hands here with the Raiders and this quarterback talk. Is uh, One of our regulars, Damian Barling from uh, 1320 in Sacramento, a 49ers affiliate, will join us to talk about Carr, talk about the number three pick, and also give his feedback on uh, what's been going on the last couple of days with that deleted tweet from LeBron James. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft, presented by Weed Sellers, weedsellers.com. That's weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Down the stretch, we've been counting down from uh, 32 to number one path to the draft and Damian Barling covers the 49ers are on his station in Sacramento ESPN 1320 uh first of all I gotta ask you how the podcast is going uh be heard platform so what are you guys pumping out now getting out messages talking about social issues different things like that we have some young people straight out of college who are just trying to uh, get a feel for how to do like a radio show or how to do a podcast so we're working with them so it continues to grow man it's exciting we want a couple of grants out here so that's really really exciting it allows us to invest more into kind of the the next generation of potential broadcasters which is fun that's awesome well with uh, the ability to go on air there is a responsibility and i'm not comparing what we do to what lebron james has in front of him in terms of uh, might around the country but he sent out a tweet the other day reacting to the shooting of a 15-year-old law enforcement involved uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and he wound up deleting the tweet, and he's gotten a real rash of crap the last day and a half, so I'm wondering what you think of what LeBron did and then how he handled it. LeBron reacted the way most people do with social media. Like, Twitter is a stream. It's like a stream directly to your conscience, right? Like, it's the first thing you think. Like, it's unfiltered. As soon as you hit send, like, you're reacting in that moment. And I think that's what he was doing, and he was angry. And a lot of us are angry and I, I don't have a I don't really have a problem with I don't have a problem with the tweet. I, I understand why he deleted it, because his influence, as you noted, it's it's different than ours. And, you know, sometimes messages can get diluted a little bit if like especially on the heels of the, you know, the George Floyd verdict. We were kind of you know, there was this moment of like almost relief. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting these reports out of it was Ohio and it's like one after the other after the other. So he he reacted in anger. I, I don't think he had to take it down. I understand why he did. Um, it's tough in that position because, you know, people are going to take that remark and they're going to run with it. You see people who say, oh, it, it, it was threatening an officer's life. Like, no, that's not what it was like if you were paying attention the buzzword for the day was accountability like finally we've got some accountability and that was the line that he used this isn't the same situation as George Floyd this isn't the same situation as a lot of other you know police uh, uh, interactions involving uh, the black community but I, I think in in the that when you just get down to the crux of it it was anger we often see 
mass shooters. We see shooters who walk into church and kill nine people. We see shooters who walk into shopping malls and kill people. We see a 17-year-old walking around a protest with an AR-15, and they always seem to get apprehended with no problem. The kid with the AR-15 gets praised by uh, by police officers in a, in, in, a, in a certain portion of the political forum. And so it, it, it's more not what the girl was doing, but like, why couldn't you have taken her into custody the same way you've taken all these other, why was the first recourse of action lethal action? And I think that's what, I think that's where his anger was sparked from, but he probably recognized when you put up your next and you put up the word accountability and you realize as soon as I saw that story, and I saw that they were releasing the body cam footage that night. I knew they had something. I knew what they saw. They were very, very comfortable with. And when they released it, it was like, okay, you, you, you've, 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 we, we're, we're going to need to see like all of it in full motion and not slow motion. But you can't react the way he did with the evidence that was out there already. But he was reacting out of anger, and I don't fault him for that whatsoever. Damian Burling, 49ers expert. He's got his uh, Be Heard podcast. He's on ESPN 1320 in Sacramento. It's the Niners station. All right, well, let's get into the Niners and the draft. But to set up the draft, let's talk about the offseason leading up to next week's draft first and the last couple of days. So the Raiders surprised some people last week <laughs> when Arden Key being cut is not a surprise. But Mo Hurst is a good player, good value. Yeah. Um, you yep. know, he couldn't always stay on the field, and the Niners immediately scoop up both of them. Yeah, I, Arden Key is really interesting. I, 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 I'm, I'm completely with you. I understand why they let him go. But I still find him a little bit intriguing. Uh, low risk, high reward. I'm sure the case with both of them. They signed Wayne Gelman, the uh, running back out of uh, New York a couple of days ago as well. And, 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 and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are never going to pay big for running backs. But those two acquisitions from the Raiders, I'm interested. It was a position in which they needed help in. It's a position I still think they're going to address in the draft. I think they may address that uh, defensive end. I don't know if they're going to go defensive end second or if they're going to go cornerback second. But I think they're definitely going defense uh, with their second pick of the draft. But I, I, I know you mentioned Mohurst, good player, quality player. I think we know what he brings to the table. Arden Key really intrigues me, though, because I can't put my fingers on why things, like like with a, a guy who had some seemed to have some promise coming out of college, just things went so south with the Raiders so quickly. Let's look at this as a trade. So Solomon Thomas in exchange for Hurst and Key. Mm-hmm. Who wins the deal? The Raiders. I, I know Solomon Thomas isn't great, um, but I – He's better. I, the, obviously, the concern with Solomon Thomas, he's coming off of the injury that he suffered in week two last year. Uh, you know, again, he, he's a guy who was drafted really, really high. It's not costing the Raiders anything. You know, I think, what was he, a third overall pick, second or third overall pick, something like that. Like, you, you've you got a chance to, I, I, you know, still pretty young. Uh, I think you have a chance to figure some things out with him. Again, same thing for the Raiders. Low risk, high reward. I like that pickup for them as well. Path to the draft, the number three pick. My God, we've talked about the number four and the number three pick a whole lot in addition to the Raiders at number 17. So the Niners are in the three hole. They moved up. They obviously have someone they've targeted. We think, you know, 99% it's a quarterback. Three-person race, four-person race. Who 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 is it? T- today, who is it? I, I, I When the trade was made... Um, we went on the air about an hour after the trade was executed. And I said, in that moment, this given what we knew and already within the hour, we knew they had traded. You don't make that type of deal unless you're going for a quarterback. Like you just don't, they addressed it as much, you know, the, the, the following Monday when they, when, when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan happened to have a press conference scheduled, 
Uh, and they, you know, they, they talked about talking to Jimmy Garoppolo. They talked about being comfortable with the three quarterbacks. So they're taking a quarterback. I believe, and I believe then, and I, and I, and I'm not going for all of this Michael McCorkle Jones stuff. I'm it's, it's Trey Lance. I think they're taking Trey Lance. I don't know why Justin Fields has fallen. He's I don't know why he's not in the conversations here. I love Justin Fields as a quarterback. Absolutely love him. I it, like it, as, as a fan, I would love to see Justin Fields uh, in a 49er uniform. But given the way that they have laid things out, I feel like the guy is Trey Lance. It allows you to play Jimmy Garoppolo this year the way that you want to. It allows you to give him the kind of the Alex Smith treatment, give him a chance to to ball out, have an incredible year. In Alex Smith's case, he had a career year in his final year with Kansas City, wound up getting that big deal uh, with Washington before suffering that terrible injury. But he got the big deal with Washington, right? So you have the opportunity to do that if you're Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you have an opportunity to build your value. There could be a situation where we've been asking ourselves the last couple of weeks, is Jimmy going to get the Fitzpatrick treatment? Like, no, you're, you're our guy. We're going to groom this quarterback. And then week six comes around, you know, things are going okay. Maybe, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo's playing pretty well. Maybe, maybe there's a trade on the table for Jimmy Garoppolo in week six, or you just go, you know what? We're going to go with Trey Lance. But right now today, just as I did a couple of weeks ago when the trade was made, and as, I, as I'm going to believe until they call someone else's name, I think it's Trey Lance. Why do you think Justin Fields has been so sliced and diced after two really good years at Ohio State? No freaking clue. I have absolutely no idea. I mean, it, it, it's easy to go like, you know, Dan Orlovsky criticizing him as the the first guy in and or, or the last guy in and the first guy out and that whole thing. And you, you want to make these, you know, uh, man, we're really minimizing the black quarterback and doing all these different things. And it's like, yo, God, Trey Lance is black. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Trey Lance is a black quarterback too. So it, it, it's, we're, we're not saying the same things about Trey Lance as we're saying about Justin Fields. So there's something, there's something more to it. I, I don't know if it's the Ohio state syndrome. I don't know if it's, uh, the, the, you know, the kind of the, the, the stench of, of Dwayne Haskins still lingering around. I don't, I don't know if it's Ohio State quarterbacks not really working out in the past. I mean, you look at, you know, Troy Smith, Dwayne Haskins, and, and, and now Justin Fields. The, the, that was Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer, and Ryan Day. These are all different coaches. So I, I don't understand. Like, the, the, the young man is a winner. He was a number two prospect, I think, after Trevor Lawrence heading into the season. He was a guy pushing, 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 pushing the Big Ten to play football. He had nothing to gain right. by the Big Ten playing football, but he kept pushing, 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 pushing for them to go out there and play. He plays well. He has maybe a bad game against Northwestern. He gets his rib ding, rims dinged up. He continues to play. I truthfully, honest to God, don't get it. I don't know why Justin Fields isn't mentioned as uh, the, 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 the Jets pick. I don't know why he's not mentioned more as the 49ers pick. I don't know why he's not mentioned more as, as, as one of the first quarterbacks taken. If the Niners did take Fields, does that mean Jimmy G is gone almost immediately? I, I don't think there's no no. I don't think so. I think the I think the legitimate plan is to keep Jimmy Garoppolo through the year. Now things could change, and they may very well change uh, with the acquisition of like because Trey Lance. I think maybe does need like a little bit of time, especially given the fact that he didn't play last year. Justin Fields did play last year. So maybe it accelerates a little quick, maybe a little quicker. Maybe the, um, the, uh, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing that I just mentioned a minute ago, maybe that is more likely if it's Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. Uh, but either way, this, this is Jimmy Garoppolo's last year as a 49er, win, win, lose, or whatever. Who do you think steps up if someone, uh, if they are going to move Jimmy G, 
Is it the obvious, the Patriots step up? Is it, you think there's another team out there that would give up some decent draft capital for Garoppolo? I don't feel like what, but what's de- decent draft capital like first round? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. You keep hearing the, uh, you keep, you keep hearing the Patriots thing. It's hard to ignore when you hear it over and over and over again, similar to the Mac Jones syndrome out here. 49ers fans are freaked out that they're really taking Mac Jones because that's what they hear over and over and over again. You hear the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Patriots. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely hard to ignore. I got to imagine there's a, he's not a bad quarterback. It's just he he missed a lot of his games here with the San Francisco 49ers. Like he seems to get injured a lot. And with that, that's the that's the chief concern right there. But I think there's there's absolutely he's going to have suitors, whether it's midseason or whether it's next offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have plenty of suitors. Oh, I think next offseason, if he has a good year and he can stay mostly healthy and it is Trey Lance behind him, the suitors potentially could be the Patriots, the Steelers. The Bears. Mm. So all big market mm. teams, two of the three are really good franchises, and they absolutely have to get a quarterback or, like, what's the freaking point? Yeah, I always forget about the Steelers. That's a good call yeah, right I there. Yeah, I mean, Big, you know big Ben's done. They don't, yeah. I, you know, we, I've been talking about this all week because my thought is I don't even know why Tomlin signed an extension. And unless the organization and Kevin Colbert, the GM, they've all worked together and they're like, this is the plan. This is going to be the guy. They don't have the next guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they don't. And that, that's, a, that's a fascinating one that I keep forgetting about. They're an interesting team to watch in the upcoming draft. You know, a lot of people, they've shifted their attention to, you know, did the Patriots move up? Does someone fall to the Patriots? Does Justin Fields fall to the Patriots? How does that ultimately work out? Do they make that last-ditch effort to get Jimmy Garoppolo? But that's the, the, the Patriots, I think, in their approach this year will be really, really interesting. Well, this is fascinating. What's come down uh, this morning around Las Vegas um, – I believe the organization likes to uh, leak a lot of its breaking news to Ian Rappaport. Here we go again, man. Here we go again. We talk a lot about Derek Carr. Now, yeah. Rappaport says uh, Raiders were very much, you know, scouting all the quarterbacks. And if someone, one of the big five, had potentially slipped down to 17, they may take a quarterback. I believe it. I don't know if one of the five is going to slip down there, but I believe it. But I also, I don't understand the purpose of the Raiders giving Rappaport the information. It's like they're, they have to constantly be kind of jabbing at Derek Carr behind the scenes, not saying it outright, but there's, there's always that feel that Carr ain't the guy long-term. It's co- the quarterback infidelity. That's just what I look at with, <laughs> with, 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 with John Gruden. Yep. Just quarterback in. He's never seen a quarterback that he doesn't like love, except for Derek Carr. Derek Carr Carr seems to be the only quarterback in the league that he doesn't love. And it's 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 fascinating. I saw that this morning, too. And my first thought was, what? Why? Like, what are you what are you doing? Like Derek Carr played pretty well last year. And you're right. That's the they just continue to poke Derek Carr. And I don't know if they do it. I don't know if they do it to amuse themselves. I don't know if if I don't know if it's John himself. I don't know if it's, you know, just someone in the organization who has a good relationship with Rappaport. I don't know what it is. They're not getting a quarterback where they're at. They're going to have to move up at least to get one of those big unless we're talking like Kyle Trask or unless we're talking about one of those second tier quarterbacks. I don't I don't I don't get this. I, I don't know why the Raiders are the way that they are. Uh, let's close on the Niners with Damian Barling. I appreciate all the time. Damian's on ESPN uh, thirteen twenty in Sacramento. Do you like both of the deals money-wise with Trent Williams and Yushek? That Especially the fullback position, that seems like 
a lot of money for a position that most organizations don't covet and most feel like they can look at the position as sort of interchangeable. You can always get someone. That's how they feel about the running back position, though. Yeah. check is he's he's valuable. He could do a lot. Like he can block, he can catch, he can run. Like he he's very he's very very versatile. I don't have a problem with either one of those contracts. They had to they had to sign Trent Williams. There's a little you know you know how these contracts are, Steve. There's there's a lot of fluff yeah. on on the Trent Williams contract. I mean he's very well paid. There's there's no denying that. But let's not pretend that contract is what what was reported. It's 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 very much not. But you knew when they acquired him. They had to sign him. They had to re-sign him or it would have thrown this you know, whole thing off. So, no, I, I love the deals. And Juszczyk is unique for this organization. He's unique for Kyle Shanahan in the way that he plays. Like, the running back position for Kyle Shanahan is completely interchangeable. But Kyle Juszczyk is the one. He's the guy who kind of brings it all together for him. Glad you're doing well. Appreciate the time today. Thank you, Damian. Great seeing you, my brother. That was a lot of fun. Damian Barling right here on Cofield and company. Make sure you check out his podcast on the Be Heard platform. His spot today is brought to you by our big NFL draft contest, Drafting for Doe, the DeHart team, Nova Home Loans, pitching in $1,000 in cash plus. We've got a $250 Raiders Image Store gift card. All you got to do is make the right picks for 1 through 17. Whoever gets the most correct, you are the winner. Free, free, free to get in. It's a $1,000 first place cash prize plus that gift card to the Raiders image store worth 250 bucks. How do you get in LVSportsNetwork.com. It's LVSportsNetwork.com. Make your 17 choices. There's a teams and then the drop down menu and you have a chance to win a thousand dollars plus that gift card from the Raiders image store. Your picks must be in by next Wednesday. That's April 28th. It's brought to you by Nova home loans. Make sure you give the folks at Nova home loans a call at 877-700-NOVA. Get in now. LVSportsNetwork.com, our drafting for dough contest. Hidweedsellers.com today and order some Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, or Cabernet Sauvignon. We embrace equality and diversity. Weed Sellers. It's time for Greenies Wine of the Week, presented by Weed Sellers. Hit WeedSellers.com. Yep, Mike Greenberg, one of the hubs of the station at ESPN Las Vegas, 10 a.m. every day. At times, Greenie can come off as a little whiny. We have a little fun with this. The wine of the week, you get it, Weed Sellers, right? C-E-L-L-A-R-S, no uh, CBD, no cannabis involved, but they... Do sell great bourbon and wine and beer. So we bring you Greenies Wine of the Week. All right, Candy. We'll load this one up for you. You can react. Uh, Greenie this week was talking about the Dodgers and just how good they are and uh, delivered this scenario. So uh, this is another reminder of why you need to just hang out with us for two hours. we got great stuff working here, and I can't go back and explain it. But once again, I was reminded of one of my favorite movies, Heaven Can Wait, in which Warren Beatty, who is an NFL quarterback, dies, is reincarnated as a billionaire, buys the Rams, and makes himself the quarterback. It got me to thinking the Dodgers are so ridiculously good that I could buy that team, mandate that I play every single day, and we would still win the World Series. Okay. So let's tackle a couple of things right off the bat. Do you know this movie? It's vague in my memory, but yes. Greeny speaking to an audience of uh, many who are under 40 about a movie from 1978. Now, I do that as well, so I like old movies. Uh, but I will say I've never seen the movie. Uh, but I am interested. Uh, Warren Beatty and some of the stars of the 70s, many of them, Charles Grodin, Buck Henry, 
Vincent Gardenia, Jack Warden, and Diane Cannon. All right, I think I'm in. I think I'm in. Uh, how about the premise? And I know Greeny's trying to have fun here, but I hear people do this all the time, and I hope listeners take it tongue-in-cheek. Otherwise, it's ruining it for the rest of us. How many times do you hear Sports Talk Radio hosts when they're describing a team that's really good or really awful? Like, hey, we could grab everyone in the studio right now, and we could beat this team. I heard someone do it the other day on satellite radio where they were like, yes, myself and you know two of the board ops and a producer, we could go on the field and beat Missouri baseball. And I'm like, oh, God. I, I get you're joking, but there could be some listeners who are like, all right. So see what he's setting up here. They are so good that 50-something greeny could go on the field and they would still win and they would still be successful. Keep going. You calculated that I would cost the Dodgers 240 runs a year? Which equals 15 wins. 15 wins. But that they should. Will they win their division by 15 games? They might not, but I use the projection of 115 based upon all their stats. So unless you think the Padres are going to win 100 games, there's a really good chance the Dodgers will clear them by 15 games. Okay, so. So, Candy, on that premise, will the Dodgers be able to clear the Padres by 15 games? No. The Dodgers <laughs> are not beating the Padres by 15 games this year. Stop it. All right. Stop it. Look, I, I these Dodgers are fantastic. Cody Bellinger's already on the injured list, and yeah, they're playing great, but there are way too many things that can happen in a 162-game season to already be declaring that a team as good as the Padres is going to finish 15 games back. Stop. Oh, I feel like you're not enjoying this wine of the week. Just sit back, take a sip, be patient, chill. Greeny can be an acquired taste, just like many wines. Not those, of course, at weed sellers. They're all delicious. Can you be a little more patient with this? Because I think he's going to nail it here, and he is going to convince you that he could play a position on the field. It would work, and he wouldn't irreparably harm the Dodgers' chances to win the division. Keep going, Greeny. You had me playing left field. Right. I've got a suggestion. Okay. The way baseball is played right now, put me as a middle infielder. No. And we play the shift. Okay. The entire time. Will these guys, I am like the human shift. Basically, I'll go stand right behind second base, <laughs> and let's see if these guys do hit the ball to right field. Will these guys hit the ball to right? If I'm playing second, I'm like the human shift. Will these guys actually hit the ball at me? I might be the solution to baseball's problem. Everyone who hates the shift, the solution might be put someone at second base who cannot field, and thus maybe people will actually put the ball in play. <laughs> okay, let's hash this out. Um First of all, and we've been through this with Greeny in the wine of the week. Who hates the shift? Because it doesn't bother me at all. Are you, Adam Candy, an anti-shifter? I am pro-shift. I am captain of the shift ship. (laughs) I am every shift lover's dream. Shift lover's dream. It was the shift ship. Notice how carefully I said that. You want to have a popping pee on that one. The shift ship. Well, apparently Greeny represents a large group of people who cannot stand the shift. I don't get it. I don't get it. 
If you don't like the shift, you know what you are? You're Rob Manfred. You're Rob Manfred. You're the commissioner of baseball. You are a guy who wants things to be the way they used to be. Let's so play. that's why you have a rule. But Steve, that's why they're screwing around in the minor leagues this year yeah. with saying that out in the Atlantic League, you can only have infielders on the dirt. They can't be out oh my God. on the grass. Stop. Why? We're screwing around with this in the minor leagues right now because the shift is killing people. It's killing people. Why reward guys who are incapable of using all fields? Why are you rewarding them? If you're a limited hitter and you're a dead pull hitter, that's on you. Get better. What is the purpose of saying you're going to legislate against innovation? What did the defense do wrong? They said, oh, we're going to stand over here instead of standing over there. Are you going to start saying that the outfielder has to be in a certain place too? Are we going to have like lines on the field to make it so they can only be what a certain length over from the foul line, a certain length away from the next fielder over? What's the purpose here? What if they want to play with four outfielders? Why can't they play with four outfielders? Why can't it be beer league softball if they want to be? Are you saying that the shift, the only way the shift causes a problem is if you play that infielder? Mike Greenberg, second baseman extraordinaire, and you're playing him in the middle of the shift? That's the only time it's a problem? Look, being against the shift is being against the idea of getting better. Whether it's what you just said, hitters getting better. Mm -hmm. Whether it's just the idea of the game evolves. The game changes. One side gets better, so you know what? Other side, you'll go get better too. Such nonsense. So in, in the end, we enjoyed Greeny's Wine of the Week. This is the fifth straight week we've done it, and one of the hosts got really upset. So the whininess did get to us. Today's winner is Adam Candy. Now here's the good news. You can hear Mike Greenberg Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, you know, as he says it all the time, it's a little, it's got a little more time to breathe. It's not like get up on TV where it's fast, fast, fast. So he's got some good long conversations on there. And he did talk about West Coast topics. So it's very cool that he was talking about the Dodgers. You know, that's a, a match with the, the Las Vegas market. Uh, do we know what he's doing for the NFL draft? Are we getting more greeny next week? Apparently, ESPN has decided that once it let Trey Wingo go out to pasture, that the solution for the draft was Mike Greenberg. Okay, so let's take the guy who probably set the standard for draft coverage for the better part of a decade for ESPN. Tell him he's no longer needed. And now let's bring in the morning show host to what? Spice up the draft? Were we concerned that people were not enjoying the NFL draft? We've been doing content here on Cofield and Company for a month leading up to this draft. Were we worried that somehow people weren't going to tune in and we needed to go get the ratings guy? Well, about that. Anyway, um, this is the wrong move to put Mike Greenberg into this spot because taking a guy who is going to be the lead, like a radio host is the lead, when we need to be all about handing it off to the analysts, 
I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned. I'm going to have to watch this thing on mute. And I don't want to have to watch it on mute because I want to hear about Mel Kuyper Jr. And I want to hear about how he has decided to eat his pizza. <laughs> I want to hear about did Mel Kuyper decide that he wants to do mashed potatoes and pizza before the draft this year? I need to know these things. But if Mike Greenberg is talking, then I won't find that out. I won't get to hear Kuyper fighting with McShay. I love that. Taught, 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 taught. I need to hear that. I don't need Greeny getting in the way. I don't need him talking about how we need to go back to leather helmets because if they did that, then maybe they could put him in the backfield and the Chiefs could still win this year. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.